This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, isn't it a great morning to be at church? A lot more fun being at church than getting up an hour early, right? Yeah, I got to tell you, when, I, uh, when my alarm went off and I looked out, it was like, it was pitch black out there. I was thinking, there got to be something wrong with this. But... Um, Welcome to church. It's going to be a great morning together. I want you to open up your programs and take out the teaching notes. I've got some things I want to say to you up front. Um, But when you take out the teaching notes, there's something different that you notice about them, correct? means we have a tall assignment, right? Which means that you're going to have to write in a hurry and I'm going to have to speak in a hurry. Uh, It's one of those things where... When I sit down to make the sermon and God begins to speak and reveal things to me that he once said, um, every once in a while he says, it's a bunch, but they're going to need it all. So that's what we have this morning. So um, welcome aboard. Now I want to say one thing. You know what we just got done with? Worship was great. I so enjoyed really worshiping. Greeting time is one of my favorite times in this church, and one of the reasons is because this is a very relational church. Those of you who come here all the time, you already know that. Those of you who are new today, that might be a new experience for you. But I can tell you the truth that the people of this church love to be together. And we really, that's why we get here early, right? Okay, well, we're working on that, all right? But it is why we hang around late, because... This is not a church where everybody just comes and, and, and you know, puts in their time and then goes out to do whatever it is that they wanted to do in this day. This is a church where we love to be together. The Hawaiians have a wonderful word for it. It's called talk story. Needs no description. We just love to get together and talk story. And uh, so I love to preach after greeting time because it's such a great time for us to be together. And even though it's short, um, it's an opportunity for us to do a little talk story. For those of you who are new and here for the very first time this morning, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to you. Welcome. Welcome aboard. I can tell you there's always room for more in our community of faith. This is not an exclusive group. It's an inclusive group. And we are very happy that you are here. And even those of us who just greeted you during that greeting time, that we didn't even know you, we're still glad you're here. We're very glad you're here. And we pray that this morning is a life-changing morning for you because it certainly will be a life-changing morning for the rest of us. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Ron. I'm the senior pastor of New Life. And for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to be sharing teaching from the Bible. It will be very applicable to two things. It will be very applicable to our personal spiritual growth and development as followers of Christ will also be very applicable to the church as a whole. In fact, this morning we're going to look at where our spiritual journey and the church's role intersect, overlap, and work together. And uh, so would you join me in a short prayer before we get started? Lord, we're very grateful that you have brought us to a place where we can look you square in the eye where we can investigate faith, 
where we can learn about your design for life, where we can learn about the church's role in it, where we can learn about where our own spiritual responsibilities and opportunities intersect with the role of the church, overlap with the role of the church, and how they work together. Would you guide us in that this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Let's take a look at the video screens and we'll jump right in. We're going to take a look actually at a screen or two beyond that. We're going to look at the context, where we have been, okay? And uh, the first part of this teaching series was about God's design. And we learned that God's design for life for, for us as we become followers of Christ is that we would live it in the context of freedom, that God would set us free from anything that would hold us down and hold us back from becoming all that He wants us to be, that He would develop in us a generosity in a world that is all about me and all about what I can get and all about what I can, can sort of hoard and hang on to and collect, that God would call us to swim against that current and have a wonderful spirit of generosity. And then another context is outreach to others. And that the wonderful things that God has brought into my life and that I'm learning and, and that he's blessed me with, that I would just take those out to other people. And then the concept of stewardship versus ownership, that one of the great transitions that God brings into our life is we're born with a sense of entitlement and ownership. And God wants us to trade that in for a sense of management and stewardship. And we followed that up with several weeks of teaching on our responsibilities. And our responsibilities are actually called spiritual practices. And we saw that it was really about training ourselves to be successful in walking through this life as God intended. Because it doesn't happen automatically. And those spiritual practices are community, putting ourselves in a place of of a community of faith, and then feeding ourselves on God's Word, and then expressing our worship and praise to Him, as we just did a couple of minutes ago, and then investing in prayer and fasting. It was interesting for me to sit down and pray through the prayer request this week and pray through the responses of people that wrote down on their card. Um, 61 different people that I saw This week, 61 of them said, I will reserve a morning or an evening to intensify my spiritual practices through fasting. I I hope that was a great time for you. I know Monica and I had our time yesterday morning. And it was a great time of getting up together and reading from God's Word privately and then reading from God's Word together and then uh, taking some time to pray. And we had very specific things that we were praying about and and listening to God. It was just a wonderful morning of being together and being with God, having our spirits not only bond together, but bond with Him and to do it in a, in a focused and very intensified way. So this morning, we move into the third great area. Remember, I've taught you this is like a three-legged stool. We've got God's design. We've got our responsibilities. And the third leg on the stool this morning has to do with the church's role. And the church's role is to provide the tools, the training, and the culture that encourage spiritual development of its members. Now, I'm a guy that likes to work in the wood shop, and I can tell you this. There's nothing like the right tool for the job. Okay? 
Anybody who does any work knows that if you're trying to do a job, you don't have the right tools, it's not fun. Guess what? Trying to grow and develop as a follower of Christ, if the church doesn't provide you with the tools that you need, it's not going to be a very successful journey. Because you've got to have the right tools. That's why we spend so much time laying out those tools. Okay? But secondly, training. You can have the right tool, but if you don't have the proper training, it doesn't do anything. A couple weeks ago, Monica and I were down in San Diego, and we ate at a place called Little Piggy's Barbecue. (laughs) Gotta love that, right? And uh, we ordered beef brisket. We were talking with the server, and she said... She said, well, how was the brisket? And it was absolutely fabulous. It would just melt in your mouth. Now, I want you to hear what she said. She said, it always varies depending upon who is working in the kitchen. Because if you cut beef brisket wrong, it's tough and chewy. But if you cut it right, it's tender. Now, both cooks have the same knife. Okay? But the deal is, when you have the right tool and the training, the results are great. You can have the right tool, not the proper training, and they aren't so good. Now, the third thing is the culture. You can have the right tools and the right training, but if the working conditions are terrible, it's not that much fun. I had a wood shop out in Pengrove that was a great workshop, except for when it rained, because there was a river that ran through the workshop. Tools were all the same, right? Training was all the same, but it's not much fun when you're slopping around in mud and you're trying to build furniture. And you know something? Every church has a culture. And one of the things that we who are leaders of this church pray about day after day after day is that God would grant that this church would have a culture of spiritual growth and development that would foster that in its people. So in short, that is the church's role. And that's the context of what we're going to be talking about this week and next week. But before I get into what those tools and trainings are, we have to address one other subject. And that's the subject of the importance of the church. Okay? Now here's the truth. I'm going to state it to you plainly. Here it is. The truth is the church is the most important thing on planet earth. I want you to read that out loud with me because I want you to remember it. Ready? The church is the most important thing on planet earth. I run into people all the time who tell me sort of this. You know, pastor, I'm up on Jesus, but I'm kind of down on the church. Now, usually it gets stated like this. I don't go to church but I have my own personal faith. Or it's stated like this. I believe in God, but I'm not much for organized religion. Now, I'm not naive enough to believe that there aren't multiple people in here who have said those. Okay? So I'm not here to shoot anybody who has said those. But I want you to know and understand this for sure. That Though that's better than no faith at all, it does not reflect God's desire or design for you. 
He has way more than that for you. How do I know that? Well, let's go straight to the Bible. I want to read you some passages, and then we're going to draw three points out of that before we actually get into the part about the church's role. So here's the first passage. The Bible says, speaking to the leaders of the church, feed and shepherd God's flock, His church. Now, this is what I want you to underline. Purchased with His own blood. Does that tell you where it fits on God's priority scale? That's pretty high. He bought it with his own blood. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. So God's not down on the church. Jesus is not down on the church. God's not down on organized religion. He's the author of it. Let's go to one more passage. Back in Acts chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want to tell you that passage of Scripture was transformational in my life. Because even as a junior high child, I read through that passage, I bowed my head in church one day, and I said, Lord, one day I want to be part of a church like that. We're going to talk about that. Let's draw the first principle. Principle number one is this. The church is a close-knit community, not a group of unconnected members. When people say, you know, I'm kind of up on Jesus, but I'm down on the church, I'll tell you what, I'm part of God's church worldwide. Okay? As, As if the church were a bunch of unconnected Christians who just sort of live all out there on their own. The Bible paints a picture of the church being a close-knit community of people. In fact, the two most commonly used word pictures for the church are these. Number one, it's a family. And a family is a group of people who are drawn together primarily by three things. They have common blood. If you've ever held a child, your child, right after their birth... I know one of the things that went through your mind was, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Yeah. Secondly, an uncommon love. Have you ever heard the old statement, blood runs thicker than what? Water. Yeah. And thirdly, unconditional acceptance. You know, we might be deeply disappointed in each other, but we're still family. I have a relative that's going to prison in April for sexual assault, and he was a pastor. 
You think I'm deeply disappointed? Yeah. Did we throw him out of the family? No. Because families understand unconditional acceptance. It's a close-knit community. The second word picture that God uses is the word picture of a body. And here are the things that he teaches us about a body. That a body has individual members, but every member in the body has a function. They're not the same function, but every member has a function. The second thing that that we know about a body is that in some way the function of every member has to support all the other members. A very simple illustration is, if I get something in my eye, my finger does not say to my eye, you got it in there, you'll get it out. Right? We recognize it is the finger's job to support the eye. But at the same time, we don't usually go searching for knives with our fingers. We go searching for knives with our eyes, correct? Because it's the job of the eyes to support the fingers and keep them safe from the sharp blades. And then thirdly, in order for a body to be effective, it has to work cooperatively. Not just independently, but cooperatively. When it comes to the body, we call that coordination. And we recognize that the more coordinated the body is, the more effective and easily it accomplishes tasks. And the less coordinated it is, the more it struggles. Same thing is true in the church. The more that we work together cooperatively and in a coordinated fashion as a church, the more we're able to get done in God's great kingdom. So that's the first thing. The church is a close-knit community, uh, not, not a group of unconnected members. The second principle we can learn from those three passages of Scripture is this. We might get to heaven without participating in a church, but... We will greatly disappoint our Heavenly Father and we will never be the Christians we could have been. I'm not here to tell you that if you don't participate in the church on the day that Jesus comes again, it's all bad news for you. Okay, That's God. He makes those decisions. And by the way, He doesn't actually comment in Scripture about that. So if you decide to be a Christian and not participate in a local church, you're kind of taking your chances. Okay, I'll leave it at that. But even if you make it to heaven, when you look into God's eyes, do you want to see disappointment? Or do you want to see joy? I want to see joy. And I know it's definitely God's design and His desire that I be an active participant in the church that Jesus purchased with His own blood. And secondly... I want to be all I can possibly be as a Christian. And everything God made, He made with a purpose, including the church. So the church has a very real purpose in my life. If I don't participate in the church, I will miss out on those purposes. Very clear. So that's principle number two. Then principle number three is this. When church is done right, it's dynamic, it's life-changing, And it's exciting. What do I mean by dynamic? By dynamic, I mean it's not static. You could go to churches today that if you were to walk in the door 30 years ago and walk in the door today, they are exactly the same except the people are all older. 
Songs are the same. Message is the same. They go through the same. And again, I don't want to speak against any liturgical churches, but they go through the same liturgy every year. Every year. Every year. The picture I see painted in Scripture of the church is that it is ever-growing and ever-changing and developing as it follows Christ. Secondly, life-changing. When the church is done right, it completely changes the way its members live. It doesn't just change their Sunday mornings. It changes their life. I want to be part of a church like that, where my life gets changed, and I get challenged, and I'm ever-growing, and I'm ever-changing. And then last of all, it's exciting. Because when lives are changing, and, and when the church is changing... Well, then the truth is, no one comes to church because they have to. They come to church because they want to. And and I want to challenge you. Never come to New Life because you have to. That's why you don't hear me preach very many sermons on church attendance. In fact, I've never preached one in 13 years. You know why? It's fruitless. Because the people who are there don't need it. Correct? They're already there. And the people who really need it are where? They're not there and they won't hear it. Okay? So we just don't waste each other's times. But I want you to understand that when you come here, I want you to connect with God. I want Him to change your life. I want you to be ever-growing and ever-changing because when you get up on Sunday morning, I want you to be excited about coming to church. I'm excited about coming to church. I don't feel very good today. That's why I'm kind of keeping my distance from everybody. But in spite of the fact I don't feel good, I was excited to come to church this morning because we're meeting with God. We had a great time of worship. I was really enthused by that. And I know that what we're talking about over the next few minutes is also very important. So those are the three principles about the importance of the church. By the way, those are all real high on God's priority scale, right? Yeah. Now let's move into five expectations. Now here's another truth that I want to give you. What was the first truth? Can you read it back to me? Here it is. Ready? Let's read it together. The church is the most important thing on planet earth. Okay. By the way, can you name any other thing that Jesus died for? It's the one and only thing he died for was the church. Okay. Here's truth number two. You see it up here. God has placed within each of us five basic expectations regarding His church. Now before I read to you what those expectations are, I want you to know and understand this. When a child is born, a little child is born, they come with a number of things hardwired. They're already in them, and they've been put in them by God. A a little child that's born is born with the expectation that its parents would love it. You don't have to teach a child that. They're born with that expectation. They are born with the expectation that they can trust their parents. They're born with the expectation that they will be accepted and nurtured by their family. And there's quite a list. Well, guess what? In your spiritual family... And in the spirit that God gave you, that is part of his image, God has put some things in there hardwired too. 
And so lots of research has borne this out, but it's all through Scripture. There are five basic expectations that God put within our spirits that when we look toward His church, we should expect those. By the way, when those expectations are not met, that's when people get down on organized religion. So let's take a look at what those five are. And the first one is this, spiritual guidance. Wouldn't you expect the church to give you spiritual guidance? Absolutely. In fact, let's define that a little bit. And I'm going to do a lot of reading from the screen over the next 10 minutes. Okay, here we go. It helps me understand the Bible in greater depth. Everybody has that expectation of a church. Secondly, it helps me develop a personal relationship with Christ. When you go to a church and it doesn't help you do that, you're going to be disappointed in that because that's a natural expectation. It encourages me to take personal responsibility for my own spiritual development. That's not the pastor's job. That's not even your life group leader's job. The church is going to encourage you to take personal responsibility for your own spiritual development. And then last of all, provides a clear pathway to help guide my spiritual development. Yeah, most of us have a GPS of some sort. It might be in our phone, it might be a TomTom, might be a Magellan, it might be a who knows what, all right? Why do you have one of those? Because you want step-by-step instructions on how to get from where you are to where you're trying to get. Well, guess what? You have that same expectation of a church. Next week, I'm going to be laying out a lot of the step-by-step pathway of spiritual growth that God has led us to as a church. I'm, I'm really excited about that. That's going to be a fun time. But that's the first thing, spiritual development. Now, if we just go back to the passages we already read, let me read you a couple of excerpts from those passages. All the believers devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. You know what that was? The Bible. Okay? They got a deeper understanding of the Bible. And as God spoke to the leaders of the church, He said, feed and shepherd God's flock. That means provide spiritual guidance and spiritual nourishment and actually spiritual protection. Those are things that shepherds do for their flock. Let's go to the second expectation. It is this, accountability and impact. And by that we mean it provides opportunities to develop spiritually through relationships with others. Why? Because that provides a natural accountability. Secondly, it helps me develop relationships that encourage accountability. I know people in this church right now who are working on various issues in their life, and they have these relationships with other people in the church, and they say, when I struggle with a temptation, is it all right if I pick up the phone and call you? And you know what the other person has said? I don't care if it's in the middle of the night. You pick up the phone and you call me. Why? Because we're in this together. Yeah. Nobody's leveraging anybody and saying, you know, boy, once you become a Christian, we're going to assign you an accountability person and they're going to call you every day and be on your case until you get it. No, it's not that. There's that wonderful sense of accountability going on. It empowers me to go out on my own and make a significant impact in the lives of others. Do you have that desire? Do you really want your life to count? 
I think you do or you wouldn't be here this morning. I have that desire. Friday, Justin and I were at a memorial service for the grandmother of somebody in this church. And Justin was singing and playing and I was uh, leading in the service. Every time I do a memorial service, it reminds me that that's my eventual destination. Eventually, I'm not going to be the one up standing doing the talking. I'm going to be the one in the casket and people will be gathered around that casket. You ever stop to think, what are they going to say? What difference did my life make? One of the things that God has put within us is a basic expectation that the church would teach us how to have an impact on other people's lives. Let's take a look at a passage or two of Scripture. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and good deeds. Would that increase our impact? Does that have an accountability to it? Sure. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Boy, that church had massive impact in its community. I don't think God has called us to anything less than massive impact in the community. Let's go to a third expectation. A sense of belonging. In other words, providing compelling worship services. You have to go to a church that draws you into the presence of God. And if you're drawn into the presence of God, okay, then you're going to go to a church where you feel like you belong there. If you're really drawn into the presence of God by Bach and Beethoven, this might not be the church for you. Okay? There are other churches in town that would be great because you would have a sense of belonging there. Basically, the idea of belonging has not so much to do with whether I'm accepted or not, but it has to do with a shared experience. Last fall, the San Francisco Giants won the World Series. That's no mystery, correct? After the World Series, there was a parade in downtown San Francisco that some million people came to. And guess what? Did they all know each other? Was that a close-knit community of people? No, but they had one thing in common. They were Giants fans, and therefore they belonged. Okay? When we come to church, we have something in common. We're here to worship God. We're here to learn about life. And it gives us a sense that we belong. Secondly, helps me feel like I belong there and helps me in my times of emotional vulnerability and need. I don't have time, but I could spend a lot of time talking about that. One of the great things about church, and in particular this church, is the way that its people minister to each other in their times of emotional need. We really are in it together. Number four is this. Oh, let me read you the Bible passage. A deep sense of awe came over them all. All the believers met together in one place. You can see they had a sense of belonging. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Guess what? Did they minister to each other in their times of emotional vulnerability? Yes, and they worshiped together at the temple every day. Wonderful sense of belonging. Number four, a sense of ownership and responsibility. Now, ownership doesn't mean I own the church. Ownership means it's part of my identity. It's not just a church I go to. I am the church. 
When someone says to me, do you go to new life? Now I know what they mean, but if I were to answer them completely truthfully, I would say, I not only go to new life, I am new life. Not because I'm the senior pastor. I, go to, I, I am new life because I'm one of its members. I don't go to church. I am the church. You know, that sense of ownership and responsibility sets clear expectations about what it means to be part of the church. Let's take a look at the passage of Scripture that goes with it, and then we'll come back and read the rest of that. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the Lord's Supper and prayer. Was it pretty clear what they were devoting themselves to on the way in? They knew it was all spelled out. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now let's go back and read the second point. It inspires such a sense of ownership that the church becomes an important part of who I am. And then expectation number five is this. Provides a culture of service. That means that it promotes a strong serving culture. It incorporates every member in some form of ministry. And it provides a variety of opportunities for service to those in need. You can see that operating in the churches that we just read about. Let's take a look at the passages. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. When they met in homes for meals in the Lord's Supper, did somebody have to prepare that? Yeah, sure. They served each other. It was a strong serving culture, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I realize I've covered a lot of things this morning in a short period of time. But as we close, I want to teach you the one principle that's the most important of all of them. And here it is. If the church is the most important thing on planet Earth, then it must become what? The most important thing in my life. I want you to read that out loud with me. Ready? Because I want it to sink in. Ready? Let's read it together. If the church is the most important thing on planet Earth, then it must become the most important thing in my life. I want to give us three ways to respond this morning. You'll see them on your Connect card if you take out your Connect card. Turn it over on the back side, not the part that says Start Here. Uh, Trust you've already put your name and your email address at least on the front side of that. On the back side, it talks about ways to apply today's teaching. There are three. And the first one is this, that I am choosing to become a Christian this morning. Every Sunday, we are blessed that there are people in our audience who have not yet made that decision. I have prayed that if you haven't made that decision, that this morning you would make it. And say, I I want God's best in my life. I want to be all I can be. Then number two, I want to become part of this church. We've talked about the importance of the church, and I'm sure that some of you have said, you know, I'm kind of up on Jesus but down on the church. And now this morning you understand why the church has such an important role in our lives and how we could never be the Christian we could be without participating in a church. So if you want to become part of this church, uh, you can check that, that uh, circle, and we'll be glad to get connected with you. And then last of all, I'll take some time to review my current level of participation in each of these five areas of expectation. It's one thing to expect it of the church, but how am I doing in spiritual, de- in spiritual development and guidance? How am I doing in this, this sense of uh, accountability and making an impact in other people's lives? 
How am I doing, not only in my own sense of belonging, but helping other people feel like they belong? How much responsibility am I taking for my own personal growth and development? Every single one of those. Take some time this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.